Right, another Sunday episode. Uh, First of all, Brent, nice to hear from you. What beer do we drink in the UK? Good question. I think the majority of people still drink lager. I don't. I used to. I wasn't a lager lout. Well, not quite. But I think the majority drink lager. But I have moved over to real ales. You know, these bottles of real ale, you get Tanglefoot and... uh, what else is old old grumpy and old speckled hen, all this sort of stuff. They're not strictly real ale, because real ale, I believe, is still fermenting. Whereas in these bottles, they're not. Otherwise, you'd have bottles on supermarket shelves all exploding, <laughs> which would not be fun. Well, it would, but not for the supermarket staff. So, yeah, I think a lot of people, Brent, have gone over to bitter, such as John Smith's uh, IPA, in the old days, it was Watney's Red, wasn't it? And Double Diamond. Which they were disgusting. I remember that. Pint of DD, please. 16 pence. Stone the Crows. That's a while ago. Yeah, so that's it, Brent. The majority are on beer. Um, not on beer. I mean on um, lager. Of course, wine is now pretty big here. And gin. There's all these different flavoured gins. I don't drink spirits at all myself but you get grapefruit and pear and apple and goodness knows what flavors of gin so that's quite a big thing i wonder whether that's true of all around the world not sure so that's it i drink real ale and if we go to a pub which is very rare these days because of the cost of everything then i'll drink some sort of bitter ipa or something i don't like the strong beers because i just fall over (laughs) You've probably heard of pink gin. What they used to do was get a glass, pour, was it Angostura bitters into the glass, which is poison, swish it round the glass and tip it away, then put gin in it, and that's a pink gin. But I notice now that they've got bottles of pink gin, so you don't have to poison your glass first. It's, is it Angostura bitters, something like that, which is poison? Look it up. Don't ask me how to spell it, because I haven't got a clue. Before I go any further... Let's have a look at the weather. Where are we? What day is it? It's the 7th of October, 2022. And it's Friday. That's right. Trish had her gallbladder out on Wednesday. (laughs) I had my tooth out. Well, that's getting on for two weeks ago now. So we're gallbladderless and toothless. And we're all recovering okay, which is good. The weather, it is up past 11 in the morning. It started to rain earlier. We've got wind from the west. The old flags flying there, blowing away in the wind quite strong. The temperature is 16 degrees, which is 68, so 60.8 Fahrenheit, and the barometric pressure is 1020 millibars, if anyone's interested in that, which I doubt they are. Now, Bob mentioned this, along with several others. Hello, Bob. Changing people. I've got a little story. Back in the early 1970s, uh, we all used to pile into the pub, as I've told you many times before, and one of our crowd was Jeff. Now, Jeff, what, what age were we? I don't know how old we were, 20s, early 20s. Jeff was a, a lovely chap. He always dressed impeccably. He wore flared trousers, as people did in those days. Yeah, we had jeans. I was a bit of a hippie. Flared trousers, a shirt, tailored at the waist, you know, where it goes in. I couldn't wear those now. I used to. I, they'd have to be tailored so they go out these days. <laughs> and he wore a jacket, a beautiful jacket which was, again, tailored at the waist. And he looked really smart. He had a droopy moustache and his hair was not long like 
most of us in those days. His hair was all perfectly done. He was just so well groomed. A lovely chap, but just not a hippie type. He met a girl and, as uh, Bob was saying, disappeared from the crowd for a while, just for a few weeks. But not disappeared totally, we did see him. But whenever we did see him, if he popped in the pub to have a couple of beers with us lot, he started to change. He wore jeans. He came in one evening with jeans on and a T-shirt. You remember the tie-dye T-shirts? And his hair was getting a little bit long. And he had uh, boots, uh, you know, like Cuban Hill boots, which he'd never worn before. He was changing. And he started to come in with this Jenny. And she was a nice enough girl. But we realised that it was her that was changing him because I took him aside one evening and I said, what's all this about, Jeff? All this long hair and the, the flared jeans and the boots and the tie-dye T-shirt. You know, you're becoming a hippie now like me. And he said, oh, no, no, it's Jenny and she wants me to change. She doesn't like the, the jacket and the trousers. You know, she likes me to be more hippie, more casual looking. I could tell at that point that he wasn't happy with it. It wasn't him. We all agreed, you know, when he wasn't around, we all chatted about it. We all agreed that that just wasn't him. It wasn't the way he was. As the weeks went by, he did keep his moustache. I don't think she liked it, though, his droopy moustache. But as the weeks went by, more and more was coming out. We got to know Jenny. She was a nice enough girl. But she was saying things such as, oh, you know, when we get married, Jeff, you're not going to have your records in our house, are you? We're not having that noise. And he liked, I forget what music, but a particular like of music. And he had a nice record collection. And he said, he said to us once when she went to the loo, he said, I've never mentioned marriage. I don't know why she's on about marriage and buying our first house and I can't have my records in there. She doesn't like any of my clothes. Oh, another thing, she didn't like his car. He had a, I mind you, I didn't. It was a Hillman Imp. I had a Hillman Imp and I didn't like it at all. Whenever I stopped at a junction, the engine cut out. I never did find the, the problem. I checked everything, ignition, fuel, everything. Whenever I stopped at a junction, a roundabout or wherever, the engine stopped. Weird. I sold it in the end. Anyway, she didn't like his Hillman Imp, so neither did I. So I did agree with her on that one. <laughs> but she was trying to change every single thing about him. One evening, he came into the pub. He had his hair cut. He had his white uh, tailored shirt on his tailored jacket, his flared trousers, his decent shoes. And we're all saying, oh, look, it's the old Jeff. Jeff's back again. Oh, welcome, Jeff. You know, we all made a big thing about it because we we're all daft in those days. And we assumed, uh, quite correctly, actually, that Jenny had gone. And he said, yes, he said, I got rid of her. He said, I couldn't do it. She didn't want me. She wanted someone else. She wanted to change me so much that I wouldn't have been me. And we were all saying, well, that's right. It wasn't you. It wasn't Jeff, it was someone else. Now, isn't that strange? Why do people do that? I knew a girl. Oh, here we go. No, 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 I'm not going don't, to... Don't go, don't switch off. I knew a girl. I picked her up one evening and we were going out and she said, oh, do you have to wear those jeans? And I looked down, I'm driving along and I said, well, well, yeah, what, what do you want me to wear? Oh, those nice brown trousers you had on the other day. And I said, oh, no, not to the... I forget where we were going. I said, no, not to the place we're going, no. I'm going to wear jeans. Everyone wears jeans. And she started, oh, I like the brown trousers. I far much prefer you with the brown trousers. They're far better. In the end, she said, look, let's swing by your house and you can change. It's on the way. And I said, no, I'm not going to change. Anyway, that, that was that evening. 
afterwards, I took her home and she said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I just said, no, I just felt that was the beginning. You know, she was going to try to change the, the way I was, change me into something that I wasn't. And I wasn't prepared to put up with that. This is me, you know, take it or leave it. What does they say? Love it or love me or do something. I don't know. <laughs> this is it. This is, no, this is what you see. This is what you get, isn't it? I, there is a saying, but I can't remember. You're probably saying it now to yourself. I remember that happening to one or two of the lads. They get a girlfriend, they disappear for a few weeks, taken away from the gang, you know, the crowd. And then they'd, they'd change and eventually they become their old selves again. I've never understood that. I mean, if you, if you see someone and you, you fancy them, that's that old term, is old-fashioned term. If you fancy someone, why try to change them into something that they're not? I don't know. I don't understand that. Now, I've got another story. This, <laughs> actually, a couple of people have suggested that I put the stories on different uh, podcast episodes. I have an episode which is just a story rather than the, the Sunday episode. A lot of you wanted to know more about the girl, a girl and a boat. Quite a few of you said, can you expand on that? Can you make it into a whole sort of hour long story? Well, I could but I don't want to take up a whole Sunday episode with just one story because I know how much you love the barometric pressure and things like that. <laughs> now, I do have another story, though. This is quite interesting. It's about me, of course, and a girl and her brother and his girlfriend. Now, I don't want to get everyone confused. I confuse myself. So I was going out with Emma and her brother, Brian, was going out with Kelly. OK, so Emma and I, we were getting on all right. And we, what we used to do, we'd meet in the pub, sometimes with Emma's brother and his girlfriend, Kelly. Four of us would meet up and we decided one evening, we're all having a chat. It was summertime. Let's go on a holiday down to the New Forest. The New Forest is lovely. Look it up on the map. <laughs> go to the Isle of Wight and look north and you'll sort of see the New Forest. So we were planning all this. We found some accommodation. Because bear in mind, in those days, you couldn't go online. We looked up adverts and recommended from people, you know, all oh, go here, go there. We contacted this little inn, like a little pub that did rooms. And we booked a couple of rooms there. It was all planned. We were going to go in separate cars. So Emma and me, we'd go in my car. And Brian and Kelly would go in their car. That was the plan. I must correct my grammar syntax. Emma and I, not Emma and me. And not me and Emma. Why do people say that these days? Oh, me and Fred went down the pub. No, you didn't. Fred and I went down the pub. Anyway, <laughs> we won't, we won't go into an English lesson. So the plan was on the day, on the morning, I went round to pick Emma up and Brian and Kelly were going to go in their car and we were going to all head down to the New Forest. When I got there, Emma said, Oh, my mum's ill. So a, a slight change of plan. I said, oh, OK, you know, what, what are we going to do? Because we'd booked this, you know, the rooms at the, the little inn. We'd booked that in the New Forest. What are we going to do? And she said, look, you go with Kelly. Brian and I, that's Emma and her brother, Brian and I will follow down. Our mum's going to be OK. It's just that we want to stay with her for a while before we head off on the holiday. So Kelly and I, we put her cases in my car, we drove down to the New Forest and left the brother and sister behind. When we got to the inn, Kelly put her cases in her room, I put my cases in my room. 
which was going to be Emma and me and obviously Kelly and Brian. And we went back down and we had lunch in the bar and we're sort of hanging around. We went for a walk in the woods and they didn't turn up. We're wondering what to do, what's happening. So eventually Kelly said, I'll phone Brian. I'll see what's going on. And she, she rang. No mobile phones back then, of course. And he said, oh, look, uh, mum's not too well. So Emma and I will drive down tomorrow morning and meet you at the inn. And the funny thing is, he said to her, don't have separate room. You know, both share the same room because it will save on the expense. And you know, she told me this later. And she said, well, I told him that you know, I've already put my cases in my room. It all seemed a bit odd. I'm with Brian's girlfriend and he wants us to share a room. It all seemed rather odd. Now, there were twin bedded rooms, single beds. So she said, well, I'm not going to pay for my room. You know, if it's all right with you, I'll come and keep in your room with you. I said, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. We explained the situation to the landlord. He didn't care. He said, yeah, both have that room then and won't charge you for the other one. So that wasn't a problem. We both slept well. And the next day we went down, had a nice, you know, the full English breakfast like you used to get at these old country pubs. Really nice. And this time I phoned to see, you know, what her and her brother Brian were doing. And Emma said, oh, yes, sorry about this. You know, my mum is getting better, but we don't want to leave her. They did have a dad, by the way, but he worked abroad. That's why he wasn't around. So I said, well, OK, well, what we'll do then is head back. And she said, no, 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 both have the holiday. Enjoy the week. You know, you might as well. You're both there now. So just enjoy the week. And I said, OK, well, I'll, uh, I'll phone later, see how things are. And I told Kelly this. I said, you know, this is a bit odd. They're not coming at all now. And yet they want us to share a room here and stay for the week. And she found it odd, as I did. She said, well, this is strange. She said, Brian and I have been having a few difficulties recently. And I said, well, to be honest, so have Emma and I. We've been not drifting apart as such, but things haven't been as they used to be. And she said, well, look, let's stay for the week. She said, yeah, we've got the twin beds in the room. Let's stay. Why not? We're here. It's lovely weather. We're in the new forest. The food at the pub is brilliant. We'll just stay here and enjoy the week. And I said, yeah, fine, we'll do that. Kelly and I had always got on quite well. We'd become quite good friends since she was going out with Brian and I was going out with Brian's sister, Emma. And we were enjoying our time in the new forest. The weather was lovely. We drove down to the sea. I forget where it was exactly, but somewhere down to the, the sea. You could see the Isle of Wight across the, the Solent. It was lovely. We had a fantastic week there. And I think there must have been two days left when she decided to phone Brian just to see how things were. He seemed uh, very offhand. She was telling me after the phone call that he was very offhand. And when she said, look, uh, when we get back, I'll come straight round and uh, yeah, Ray will come as well to see Emma and uh, see how you all are and how your mum is. And he said, oh, no, no, don't bother. It's all right. And apparently she said, well, what do you mean, don't bother? Oh, no, nothing. Just uh, wait till I contact you. So I phoned Emma after Kelly had phoned Brian. I phoned Emma and I said, yeah, well, what's happening? What's going on? And she said the same sort of thing. Oh, when you get back, you know, don't bother to come around. I'll contact you. So I said, oh, OK. I, and I was a little bit more upfront than Kelly had been. I said, so basically you're ending it. She said, well, I don't know. You know, you've, now you've spent the week with Kelly I'm not sure that I want you back. And Brian feels the same. You know, now Kelly has spent the week with you. He's not sure that he wants to go out with her anymore. 
I just hung up. Kelly and I, that evening in the bar, we had a few drinks and we both agreed that they'd planned all this. We didn't reckon that their mum was ill at all. They'd planned all this. It was all a bit weird. So Kelly and I, we ended up together. We <laughs> we pushed the single beds together and the last, I think it was two or three days, can't remember, we had a great time. And when we got back, neither of us contacted the brother or the sister. We just totally ignored it. We just started going out together. And there was one <laughs> one evening we were in the pub and Emma and Brian came in and they just, just ignored us. They looked. We were both sitting in the corner at a table. They both looked at us and ignored us. So we both went up to the bar where they were and said, yeah, what is all this about? Oh, well, you two going off together, sleeping together, having a holiday together. I don't know what had started it, what had kicked it all off, but um, we just said, yep, yeah, fine, OK, that's the end of our our relationship, you know, and we left them to it. And Kelly and I were then, to use that dreadful term, we were an item. <laughs> but isn't that strange? Isn't that weird how, OK, things hadn't been that brilliant, the relationships hadn't been that brilliant, but to arrange a holiday... Oh, they had been lying about the mother, by the way. Their mum had been fine because we we found out through someone else. So they'd planned the whole thing. I don't know at what stage they decided that they wouldn't go on the holiday. I don't suppose they would have arranged it all knowing that they weren't going to go. I don't know. Maybe they would. Perhaps that's what they did. I've no idea. So that was the end of Emma and Brian. And Kelly and I were together. Talk about a, what is it, a twisted, though a tangled web we weave or something. Good grief. Stone the crows even, a tangled web. It is indeed that little pub or inn that we, we stayed at. It was fantastic. It, that was the days where it was all home-cooked food. You know, they didn't have lorries turn up with pre-cooked meals that you just microwave, stuff like that. It was really nice. The landlord, oh, and his wife, they were a lovely couple. They just made us really welcome and they, they gave us extra food and old oh, drinks on the house. Yeah, I remember a couple of times I ordered the drinks. Oh, that's on us. That's all right. That's on the house. Really nice. And in fact, we went back there only, what, a few months later. It was still summer, autumn. We went back there and we <laughs> we had another week there. And of course, they, they remembered us and, oh, hello, how are you? We hadn't booked. We just turned up. And uh, that was not a problem there. They found us a room. So fantastic. I do like the New Forest. I've said all this before, haven't I, in the West Country. And of course, we went down to Bournemouth recently because I told you about the drinks prices there. Oh dear. <laughs> you couldn't afford to be an alcoholic not living in a hotel. Anyway, there we are. Bournemouth was lovely. And it's not such a bad journey, really, down the A27, which becomes the end, M27. And then the A31 down to Bournemouth. Look it up on the map. <laughs> it wasn't a very nice run to the Benenden place uh, where Tricia had her operation in the hospital there. Cranbrook in Kent. It's the journey. I don't know, the air, what is it? A27 past Brighton, then up to Lewis and all that. It's after you get past Lewis, it's all country roads. In fact, coming back in the dark, we got home at half 10 at night uh, on Wednesday Narrow lanes with, with passing places here and there. But at one stage, I thought we were going down a farm track. It was that bad. Pitch dark, of course, at night. Very narrow lanes. The odd car coming towards us. One, uh, yeah, I had the typical one behind, didn't I? Headlights blasting right behind me. 
blinding me in the rearview mirror, far too close. And in the end, I pulled over. There was a little lay-by place. I just pulled in there and let him go. And he shot off like a maniac. In fact, there was another one, a country lane, a little bit wider. And we got to a straight bit. This was going there. I was doing, what, 50-odd, something like that. It was quite a nice bit of country lane. And he went flying past as if I was parked. Honestly, these idiots. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why there aren't more accidents, to be honest. The way people drive. And I think I mentioned, didn't I? Coming back from Bournemouth, it was lashing with rain on the Sunday. On the M27, the lorries, the spray coming up from the lorries, it made it very difficult. Plus, there were huge amounts of water on the road. And you get these idiots flying past. Well, it must be 80 miles an hour or more. I'd be surprised they don't skid off the road and crash. I don't know. I really don't know how how they do it. It's just so dangerous. I've been ranting about the traffic. My tea's gone cold. Not to worry. Beautiful sunshine now. Still quite a bit of a wind from the west. But a really nice day. In Bournemouth, we went to a museum. It's the Russell Coates Art Gallery and Museum. Fantastic. It's a big house, basically. It was, I've got some notes I've made here. It was the home of two Victorian collectors and uh, a travel enthusiast, Sir Merton and Lady Anne Russell Coates. How about that? I should have been Lord. I'm always saying that to Trish. I should have been Lord. Lord Ray. <laughs> anyway, what a fantastic place. I'm not going to read out all of it. I've got some literature here about it, but uh, look it up. It's Russell Coates. That's hyphenated, Russell Coates, Art Gallery and Museum. When Trish first said, before we got to Bournemouth, she said, look, we're going to go there. I've looked it up. We're going to go to a museum. I thought, OK, yeah, I, I didn't say too much about it. I just said, OK, that'll be good. I wasn't looking forward to it, to be honest. But when we got there, what a fantastic place. It's a, it's a huge house on the seafront, uh, overlooking the sea. Uh, or you could look out to the Isle of Wight, by the way. There's the pier there. You could look across the sea to the Isle of Wight. Fantastic. And this stuff there, what they did was they travelled around the world, these, this Victorian couple, collecting things, all sorts of things, spears from Africa and goodness knows what from Egypt or wherever, I don't know, all over the place. And it really is amazing. There's a nice uh, cafe place and gardens as well. That was on the Saturday we went there. That was our full day there because we went Friday, came home Sunday. And we had lunch in the cafe and we sat in the gardens in the sunshine. Fantastic. So if ever you're down Bournemouth Way, go and have a look at the museum. Well worth it. And it wasn't expensive. I think it was about eight quid each. I'm not really into paintings or statues, but uh, there were a lot of paintings there. Why do all these old paintings have loads of naked ladies in them and statues of naked, well, and naked men? I said to Trisha, don't look, don't look. <laughs> But why all these paintings? They have naked ladies and they're all kind of sprawled out on the grass or in the hay or something. And there's animals, tigers and lions looking at, or dragons and stuff. I don't understand what all that means. I'm not an art cricket. Cricket? <laughs> I don't like cricket either. I'm not an art critic. I don't... Uh, I, I like Lowry. That's one thing I do like, Lowry. In fact... The other day we were talking about, because I went to the hospital, I went with with Trish, obviously, because she's having the operation, so I had to take her. <laughs> no good turning up without her. But her sister came with us, and she's a you know, qualified nurse of loads of experience. 
So she wanted to come with us. And while Trish was being uh, under the knife, that's a dreadful, while she was under the knife, what an awful expression. Then her sister and I, we sort of hung around. We had lunch together and we're hanging around. Oh, she made me laugh. She said, I'm going to go to the toilet again. And I said, again? And she said, well, it's something to do, isn't it? Because I'm bored. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine going to the toilet for something to do? Anyway, that's another subject. Now, we were talking about the hospital. It's a lovely place. And we were talking about minimalistic things. Like her home is very minimalistic. There's a couple of sofas, a table and a picture on the wall and a television. And that's, that's it. Our home is absolutely jam-packed with stuff. It's just stuff. I don't know what it is quite. Bits and pieces all over the place. We've got shelves and nooks and crannies and I don't know there's just stuff everywhere so we're very different people in that respect but we got talking about paintings in this museum and I said our home is like a Lowry painting you can sit in the lounge or the dining room and you can look round and there's a little ornament here and a little picture there and something else and the next time you come round and she agreed with this next time someone comes round they'll look again Oh, I didn't notice that last time. That's why I like the Lowry paintings. You can look at all the, what is it, the kids in their clogs and dogs and stuff and factories with smoke coming out of chimneys. It's an interesting scene. There are things to look at. Whereas paintings like the ones we saw at the museum in Bournemouth, there's just sort of a naked lady sprawled across a, a load of grass. You think, well, what? okay, it's a naked lady. Why, firstly, hasn't she got her clothes on? And there's not much to look at. I mean, it was painted nicely. It was good. But I don't know. I would rather look at a picture which is more like our house, <laughs> full of interesting stuff. Or not interesting. I don't know. Depends uh, Depends what you think. But luckily, Trish and I are both the same. We both agree that we, we like all this stuff everywhere. It makes it homely, I think, anyway. In fact, my sister came round uh, this morning and she said, Oh, I love your house. It's like a cottage like a country cottage. <laughs> so that's uh, that's good. We like it anyway. I can hear an aeroplane now coming out of Shoreham. Sun's out. In the hospital in Kent, it was a private hospital because we got the health insurance stuff and we would have gone NHS, but uh, the waiting list was a long, long time. Anyway, that's all beside the point. In the hospital, they've got big screens and the pictures kept changing and it's old medical instruments. And of course, my sister-in-law, being a nurse all her life, she was well into that and she was recognising some of the old stuff. And it's fantastic looking at some of the instruments. I said to her, it's like they might use in a torture chamber. <laughs> some of these awful looking instruments and big sort of in injecting things with huge needles and clamps. Well, you might be eating a dinner. Or you might not like the sound of all that. But it, I find it fascinating. And a lot of the things were in wooden cases. You know, you open the wooden case with the brass hinges, the brass latch on the front, a really nice wooden box with all the instruments set out inside. You know, really fantastic. Of course, you couldn't use that sort of thing these days. But isn't keyhole surgery amazing? That's how Trish had her gallbladder removed. Keyhole surgery. Unlike when I had my liver sewn up when I was 14, a huge cut right up the front of my stomach to get inside. 
So yes, it is fantastic the way technology has come on. Someone has said to me recently, talking about the hospital, someone said to me, you're always on about, you know, you love the 50s or the 60s. They wouldn't have had this sort of operation back then. I don't dislike everything about these days. I think, you know, this chap I was talking to, he gets it all wrong. I'm not totally for the 50s and 60s and anti these days. Obviously, things have come on. Technology has come on. Everything has come on really well. And of course, they're saving lives now that they couldn't have done in the 50s and 60s. They just didn't have the, the technology. But I do like the 50s and 60s in, in most respects, I suppose. When they operated on me, I was 14. So when was that? 1960, I don't know, five or something, four, uh, 64, I think. No, five. I don't know when it was. <laughs> I can't remember. But when they operated on me, it was, I went in an old-fashioned ambulance, you know, with a bell ringing, ding-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> and um, it was the old part of Worthing Hospital, which has all been pulled down now. And there was a matron, a bit like Hattie Jakes, you know, on the carry-on films. Nurse, clean that up immediately. Oh, yes, yes, matron. <laughs> it was fantastic, the way it was run. Anyway, what do I want to go on about my liver, do we? You might be having, <laughs> you might be having liver for your dinner. If you are eating your dinner, I won't go on much longer, but in the old days, they had the grave robbers, didn't they? Now, people think that's awful, but that was the only way they could learn. I was talking to my sister-in-law about this, and she was saying, how else could they learn about bodies? What was inside your body? How to heal it? How to repair stuff? You know, they had to have uh, things to cut up. Anyway, that's (laughs) that's enough about that. What else can I tell you about? Talking of the 50s and 60s, I have to say, although I loved Bournemouth, I've been there a few times before. It's lovely, really well worth a visit. But we were looking for somewhere for lunch, walking around the, the town and the shops. And I don't know, there's there's McDonald's and places like that. I wanted to find not a, not a little quaint tea room as such, but somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> How do I explain it? You know what I mean. Not like McDonald's. We did find somewhere in the end. It was okay. I think it was run by a a Polish chap and uh, it was nice. I had omelette, omelette and chips, which was nice. But I was looking for, I suppose I'm old fashioned, aren't I? I couldn't find a tea room where perhaps we could have a a light lunch and a pot of tea for two. (laughs) But uh, there we are. I do like to think back to the way towns used to be doesn't matter whether it's Bournemouth, Brighton or wherever, just the way they used to be. They were, no, quaint is the wrong word. That's not the word I'm looking for, is it? But you'd have the little tea shops and things like that, which were nice. There was the pier at Bournemouth. We didn't go on the pier. I don't like piers anymore. Which pier is it on the island? Is it Sandown Pier? There's, I think it's Sandown or Shanklin. It is all, you have to walk to go to the end of the pier. You have to walk through this huge like a hallway, I suppose, enclosed area. And it is full of fruit machines and gaming machines and the noise in there. It's just awful. I want to go on to a pier to look at the sea and to look at the the seashore and the buildings out, you know, from out at sea. That's what piers were all about, wasn't it? You take a stroll along the pier, possibly a little cafe place at the end. Again, a little quaint sort of, English little place at the end where you can have a cup of tea and a scone or a scone, depending on where you come from. What? (laughs) But it's just full of fruit machines and the noise and the kids in there. 
stuffing all their pound coins into these slots. I, I hate it. I just hate it. Back in the 1950s, even going back that far, there were uh, fruit machines on Worthing Pier, I remember. Not loads and not the noise and the music and all the flashing light. They were the like the one-armed bandit things and they had a, a little machine with ball bearings that would you put in your penny and it would go whiz round, round, round and then it would stop at a slot and it would say win or lose. And of course it always went down the hole that said lose. But that, I remember, I must have been, what, 10 years old? That is how I learnt the difference in the spelling loose and lose. Loose is double O, lose is one O. I always remember how to spell lose because I always lost on that, that penny slot machine. And L-O-S-E, it would say, every time my ball bearing went down the L-O-S-E hole. But honestly, the amount of people that get this spelling wrong. You know, I wouldn't like to loose my book. Loose my book? You mean lose, illiterate. <laughs> Why do people get everything so wrong, spelling-wise, on computers? There's a spell check. People that comment on Twitter or Facebook, honestly, the amount of times they get their spelling completely wrong, the spell check will correct it. I suppose they ignore that, or can you switch it off? I don't know. There's this preemptive text, or whatever they call it. That's awful. You're right, I got into my car, and it'll say I got into my cupboard. What? Got into your cupboard? What are you talking about? That's technology for you. Now, here's the thing. People won't learn to spell anymore, will they? They won't need to learn to spell, because whatever you type, it corrects it for you. Well, unless you turn it off. So people don't need to learn to add up and multiply and subtract and divide. You just ask Alexa. <laughs> I must admit, I do. I just ask Alexa anything. What time is it? What day is it? I do. I have to ask her what day it is sometimes. So there's a good side to all this modern technology and there's a bad side, isn't it? People not learning. I mean, I've, I've heard people in the supermarket and I've heard people, oh, look, this, there's four cans there for £2.50 or the tins of beans, if you buy them singly, are that price. Now, which is best? And they can't work it out in their heads. They get out a calculator or they ask... Like I've got Alexa, I've got Alexa on my watch. <laughs> and I ask her things on there. In fact, I think it's gone. It has, it's disappeared. I had Alexa on here and then it disappeared. So I went into the app and put Alexa back on. And now it's disappeared again, so I can't be bothered with it. While Trish is recuperating, recovering from the operation, I'm in charge. I've, uh, I've done the washing and I've hung the washing out. <laughs> And uh, I've made her lunch, took her breakfast and tea in bed. So I'm doing, doing it all properly. I don't know about dusting and vacuuming. I'm not very good at that. I think we'll just forget that for a few days. She can't drive for six weeks. So uh, that's not a problem. I'll do the driving. And she can't, what is it? Can't really lift anything for two weeks. Um, there's nothing to lift, is there? Apart from my beer, which I might have this evening, but I'll lift that. My pint glass be rather nice. Hobgoblin I've got which is quite a nice beer, Hobgoblin. Oh, we saw in one shop in Bournemouth, they had these real ale beers that, that I like. Now, in the local supermarket, I don't know what they are, two or three pounds, six pounds per bottle. Good grief, I mean, it, it's daft. I know people have got to make a profit, but it's all getting silly, isn't it? Who would pay six pounds? Oh, I just have four bottles, please. That'll do me for the weekend. That's 24 pounds. What? You have a laugh. No, it's all got silly, all these prices. We haven't put the heating on yet. 
Uh, you've probably heard all around the world we've got our gas and electricity prices all going ballistic. So we've had a couple of chilly mornings, not too bad so far. But normally we would have put the heating on for a little while, but no, we haven't. I like the coal fire if it gets chilly in the afternoon. Have the coal fire going in the dining room, just like the good old days. In our dining room, it's a big fireplace and they would have had a range in there. You know, the old cooking range? Because the dining room, our house is 100 years old this year. That was the kitchen. Our kitchen was the scullery, what they called the scullery. So in the, the big dining room, which was the kitchen, that's where they had the cooking range. And I have often said to Trish, why don't we try and get a range and stick one in the chimney hole? What's the proper name for a chimney hole? It's not, it wouldn't be a fireplace, would it? Well, it's a hole where you put the range. But uh, they're very expensive. And she has said, no, no, I don't think we want that. I don't know. I think if one turned up at the right price, because they're different sizes, so it's got a fit, obviously. You can't start hacking the bricks away. The chimney will fall down. But that would be nice to have the range. You know, you put your coal in it and there's an oven. It isn't there in these ranges where you bake bread. We bake bread in our bread machine. Well, I say we bake it, the machine does it. It whirs away for an hour or two. And then it beeps and you open the lid and there's a loaf of bread. Uh, it's, it's very good. We always make our own bread. But it wouldn't it be... There's a lot of cars going past. Where's everyone going? would be nice, though, to bake bread in our own coal-fired range, wouldn't it? In the dining room, in the firehole place thing. One thing we do in the winter months is, in front of the coal fire we've got in the dining room, we've got toasting forks and we make toast. Or what Trish makes in the bread maker is, uh, what's it called? Fruit loaf. So it's like a loaf of bread, but it's got sultanas and stuff in it. I don't know what stuff, bits of cherries and things. <laughs> and we toast that by the fire and then put butter on it. Yeah, real butter, not this modern fish rubbish. What is it? It's made out of fish oil, isn't it? Margarine and things. So that is really nice, toasting things by the coal fire with the flames flickering around the room in the dark. That's nice. That's what it was all about in the good old days, wasn't it? There again, I am well aware that many people in the good old days... They couldn't afford coal. They just burnt a little bit of coal because they had to be careful because they didn't have the money. Yeah, it wasn't all fantastic, was it? It wasn't all fantastic times. There was a lot of hardship back then. People working all hours just to bring in enough money to buy food and stuff like that. Yeah, I am well aware of that. I suppose I, like many people, just look back on the good times. It's like school holidays, I've said before, haven't I? School holidays back in the UK in the old days, back in the 50s and 60s, they were fantastic long summers. Every day was hot. Every day was wonderful. Well, that's just not true. We had a lot of rain back then as we do now. And the winters back then, snow on Christmas Day. What a wonderful Christmas card type scene. That wasn't true at all. If there was any snow, it soon turned to slush and then turned to ice, and it was just horrible. <laughs> Freezing cold and horrible. It is funny though, isn't it, how older people have memories. I mean, obviously, if you're old enough, you remember the wartime, which couldn't have been much fun. But memories of home cooking and summer in the garden, stuff like that, all these wonderful memories of childhood and things. And yet, in reality, uh, as I've said, it, you know, a lot of it was hardship. A lot of people didn't have any money. Mind you, these days a lot of people haven't got any money. Hearing all this on the news about food banks and... I don't 
I don't quite understand. Uh, nurses, I think nurses are now balloting, aren't they, to go on strike? First time in a hundred and something years because they, uh, a lot of them are having to use food banks because they haven't got any money. I don't know what's happening. I suppose it's mortgages, isn't it? And rents are really high. So all your money goes on that, putting a roof over your head. Then there's nothing left uh, for things to eat. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think the whole world has just gone upside down in the last, what, few decades, I suppose. It's all gone upside down, hasn't it? It's gone mad. Everything costs a fortune. People just can't afford stuff anymore. And what they do, of course, is use credit cards. Now, a friend of mine... He hasn't got any credit at all. Or the only credit he's ever had in his life. Would you hear my neck crack then? Dear me. I think the dentist broke my neck as well as my jaw. Yeah, a friend of mine, the only credit he's had in his life was a mortgage, which you, you, know, you have to have really if you want to buy a place unless you've got hundreds of thousands in the bank or hidden under your mattress. <laughs> and he would never have credit. Everything he's got, he's bought for cash. If he can't buy it, if he hasn't got the cash, that's it, he doesn't have it. That's probably a good way of doing it because so many people get into trouble, don't they? With a credit card, you can just go downtown, walk in and out of shops, buying what you like. And people don't seem to worry about how they're going to pay for it. Then they get into debt. I don't know. I don't know. In the old days, there was HP, wasn't there? Higher purchase. So you put a deposit down, then you pay two shillings a week or whatever. And very often a chap would come round to your house and he'd collect the two shillings each week for your HP payment. The Never Never, it was called, wasn't it? I'll buy it on the Never Never. <laughs> but that's the way it was done. Most people didn't have HP. If they didn't have the cash, then they didn't have the goods. My jaw is aching now because the dentist broke it. I think he fractured it. <laughs> no, I don't think he did. But I might have to end the episode soon. Because also I've got, did I tell you, I've got a bit of uh, bone, jaw bone, exposed. I think I did tell you, didn't I? Sorry, you're probably still having your tea or your dinner <laughs> or your breakfast, wherever you are in the world. Now, you can see a bit of bone. I thought it was a piece of tooth, but it's a piece of bone exposed. He said, oh, that'll cover up. Your gum will cover that up in two or three months' time. Good grief. But it is aching badly, and I keep taking paracetamol. I don't like taking pills, not unless I really have to. So I might have to end the episode a little bit early. Where are we? 42 and a half minutes no, perhaps I can keep going a bit longer. Oh, no, you say, no, 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 end it now. Please end it now. <laughs> Listen, if you want to email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. What's your house like? Is it minimalistic where you've got a chair, a telly and a table and that's it? Or is it absolutely jam-packed with stuff, trinkets, junk, ornaments, bits and pieces? Let me know. It'd be interesting to hear from you. I don't know where we'd be without museums. I know a lot of youngsters aren't interested in looking at old junk in museums. But when you think about it, I'm just thinking back to all the instruments that were shown on the screens at the hospital. Apparently, they're all photographs from their museum. There's a museum at the hospital. But I don't know where that is. We didn't have time for all that anyway. I was too busy having lunch <laughs> while Trish was on the table. <laughs> Dear me. Without museums, all of it would be lost, wouldn't it? All these old bits and pieces would be lost. Whether it's old woodworking tools or medical instruments, whatever, it would all be lost and people would just have perhaps photographs. So I do like looking around museums. The Science Museum in London, I'm not going to London anymore. 
I won't go into that, but it's just not the same anymore. I just don't like it up there. The last time I went, when we went to the Cenotaph, when was that, a few years ago? I forget when it was. It poured with rain all day. It was dreadful. We did a coach trip, which I hate anyway. It was the local military group, because they've all got my brother-in-law's in it, a Jeep, a Willys Jeep from the 40s and stuff like this. And they organised a coach trip. It was quite interesting, but we got soaked. They all sat in a pub. Lunchtime, they sat in a pub and spent most of the afternoon there. Well, we didn't want to do that. We can do that here. I don't have to go on a coach to London to sit in the pub for the afternoon. I can walk you know, down the road and sit in a pub. So we were looking around. So we were looking around London and it lashed with rain. And, you know, there was nowhere to shelter. And we got soaked, soaked through my socks, my shoes. My socks were soaked. It was that bad. And then the coach trip on the way back, oh, it just took hours. And we both, Trish and I, looked at each other and never again. No, London's not what it used to be. Not how I remember it. Maybe again, am I looking back through rose-tinted glasses or whatever it is? I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be the, the London that I remember in my younger years. So I don't want to go there again. I haven't got a passport. Yes, I have. Yeah, we did. We, did. we bought passports for um, sort of identification purposes. But we're not going abroad again. Can't be bothered with it. Love flying. Love going abroad. But it's the airports. I just can't be bothered. It delays. Who is it? A, a friend of mine went recently. Where, where did he go? Greece or somewhere. Hour delay at the airport. They got on the plane, sat on the plane for an hour. The pilot saying, oh, sorry, there's a problem with something. Was it a, the rear engine or the... No, the generator. I don't know what it was. Anyway, they sat there for an hour. They got it repaired. Then the pilot said, now we've got to wait for another slot before we can take off. So they're just sitting on this plane, bored, you know, thinking, come on, I want to get to my holiday. Can't be doing with all that. I'd, I'd rather go and sit by the fire in the dining room and toast some crumpets. <laughs> Another thing about the old days, people didn't know, for example, lead piping, lead water pipe that brought the water into your house for you to drink. People didn't realise that you get lead poisoning from drinking water out of your tap in your kitchen because of the lead piping. Wallpaper apparently had arsenic in it. Can you imagine putting... <laughs> arsenic was it in the printing or the glue or the paper I don't know why I forget but arsenic so if you start licking the walls which I doubt you would but a child might you get arsenic poisoning and lead paint used on child's uh, children's cots they're in their wooden cot and it's painted whatever color with lead paint they lick it they chew it and they get lead poisoning hello newsflash what's happening now oh just boring most news flashes are either boring or depressing. So yes, there was a lot of things they didn't know in the old days. And going, you're talking of hospitals, going back, they didn't know about um, bacteria, did they? Infections, all very well doing an operation on someone and coughing and spluttering all over them where you've cut them open. They didn't know about infections, things like that. But uh, there we are. Then penicillin came along and disinfectant and whatever, and it was all okay. So yes, not everything about the old days was good. Arsenic poisoning if you lick the wallpaper. <laughs> good grief. I had quite an interesting chat with my sister-in-law while we were waiting at the hospital because I was saying, what happened in the old days? She said, well, you know, someone wants their leg amputated. They give them a bottle of whiskey, hit them overhead with the empty bottle afterwards, knock them out and saw their leg off. Oh, and, and dip the, the sawn off bit dip it in tar, boiling tar, so it didn't get infected or, I don't know, to stop it bleeding or something. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? No, don't imagine that. I don't. She said like a, a breach birth. What would happen? And she said, well, they either had to kill the mother to get the baby out, or well, we're going to the other way, but um, save the mother's life. Dreadful times. And what happened? Say I don't know, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. What happened then? All you had to do was break an arm or a leg, and it wouldn't heal properly. I don't know. It, it could, it could kill you, couldn't it? It must have been dreadful. And toothache. I mean, I moaned about my, <laughs> my tooth. Now my jaw. What did they do back then if they had toothache before the days of even a pair of pliers to rip it out? I wonder what they did. Just put up with the pain, I suppose. But then it could get infected and it could spread and you end up with goodness knows what. Now, I think this is quite a good day and age to live in, uh, especially from a medical point of view anyway. We have progressed wonderfully in so many ways, haven't we? Medical and technical. And yet in other ways, nothing's changed. I always find that odd. All these thousands of years of wars and killing each other, you think by now, or you know, we'd be saying, well, we won't do that. That's a bit daft, isn't it? Killing each other. Let's not do that. Wouldn't it be nice if all the money that was spent on weapons and defence and war and everything was spent on nice things, schools and hospitals and research and all living nicely and happily? That would be nice, wouldn't it? A nice, quiet, peaceful world. I wonder whether that will ever happen. I don't want to be negative, but I don't think it will. I can't see that ever becoming the case. I'm not letting my tea go cold this time. My jaw, I must find some paracetamol. Trish has got to take paracetamol, so have I. We're getting through the drugs like there's no tomorrow. I'll have to go around the, the chemist. Oh no, it's the pharmacy now, isn't it? Why is it the pharmacy? It was the chemist all my life. Now it's the pharmacy. I keep getting email. What's this? The agenda is live for Scotland. What's that? Live life for Scotland lean, productivity and Continuous Improvement Summit. Register here for free. What are they talking about? Why attend? Exhibiting? Seminar? Now there's another noise. What's that? Oh, that's a friend of mine sending me a message. I don't know. There's me saying all this technology is wonderful. But uh, I, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit of a pain, isn't it? I keep getting emails from people saying, come and pay for this, or let me do this for you. I'll, I'll pay, I'll do this for your website. I don't want anyone doing anything. I had an email the other day, learn another language. Well, what for at my age? Why do I want to learn another language? And it said something about, what was it, £500 discount if you apply now. If it's £500 off, what is the, the price? <laughs> £500 discount. And adverts on the telly. No, I won't mention adverts on the telly because I will start ranting. I hate them. I hate them more and more. <laughs> they are dreadful. As you know, you don't need me to tell you, do you? They are dreadful. The rubbish they advertise. The rubbish they come out with. What was it the other day? I said once about a vacuum cleaner, didn't I? It has direct floor. What was it? Direct floor engagement or something. Some rubbish. In other words, it's on the floor. Well, it would be if it's a vacuum cleaner, wouldn't it? You wouldn't you hear my neck. I've got something. I blame the dentist. See, if I was in America now, where they sue everyone all the time. Mind you, they sue people here now, don't they? People sue the NHS. Perhaps I could sue the dentist for breaking my neck. He probably would break my neck if he heard me saying that. No, it's not him. I don't know what it is. It's just more old age, I suppose. But some of the stuff these adverts come out with, honestly, it's just absolute rubbish. So I won't go on about that. 
the media are now talking about power cuts this winter. Do you remember in the 70s, the power would go off for three hours or so, then it would come back on because of strikes. It was the winter of discontent, wasn't it? Now they're talking not because of strikes, but um, energy problems, energy prices. To save money, they're going to cut the power off for three hours. I don't think they are. The trouble is with the media, they come out with all this hype and scare people. And a lot of it just isn't true. There goes another aeroplane. Clouds are building up over the downs there to the north. Flags still going mental, being blown by the wind from the west, but the sun's shining. I've got a radio that takes rechargeable batteries and the charger for it is broken. It doesn't work, so I can't charge the batteries. But I've ordered one, so it will turn up soon. But on top of the radio is a solar panel. And if <laughs> if you leave it in the sun, it charges the batteries. So I've stuck it out in the garden in the sun. I just hope it doesn't rain on it. So it's charging out there for nothing. There you are, something for nothing. That makes a change, doesn't it? I think I'll end the episode here because my jaw's aching and I've got to go and check on Trish. Make sure she's all right. She did say to the people at the hospital after the operation, can I keep the gallstone? Because apparently it's the size of a golf ball, three centimetres. That's quite big, isn't it? She said, can I keep it? And they said, no. I thought that would have been great. We could have put it on the mantelpiece with a little label, you know, Trisha's gallstone. <laughs> but they said, no. I said to her, they, they can't. It's your property. You know, it's her gallstone, not theirs. But anyway, there we are. No point arguing with them. And my sister-in-law said oh, we, we could have polished it and mounted it on a little wooden plate <laughs> with a label, you know, gold, a gold engraved thing. Trisha's gallstone, 2022. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to clear off. Thank goodness for that, you're saying. Give you a bit of peace. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Email me. Would be nice to hear from you. I've got to rest my mouth, my jaw, Got my bones sticking into my tongue and <laughs> my neck's cracking because it's broken off. Take care, look after yourselves and I will see you on Wednesday for the midweek message. Bye-bye for now.